0: Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. It's really not going to be Wes and Walker for a long time, though, because we got to go to Frank Reich and his press conference. It's coming up in just a moment, so what we're going to do is we're going to air Frank Reich's comments, his first press conference, as a member of the Carolina Panthers, and then we will recap his comments on the other side. We will be with you ready to talk about all of it, though, for the next three hours. Walker Mail, Wes Bryant, Josh Fiddy Marlowe. You can follow us on Twitter as well at Wes and Walker. Wes, why don't you give the people a spelling lesson here early. How can they find us on
1: Twitter? W-E-S-A-N-D-W-A-L-K-E-R. Come on, hit that follow button.
0: All right, so let's do this once more. Get off of the bus. Fitty, open up the doors, and then we'll meet Frank Reich in a second. We look
1: good getting off the
0: bus. I got something to say. Damn! A couple things. One, I don't know if Fiddy is going to erase Mac Brown's audio from that open and get off the bus because he's angry at the comments that he just made. But instead of actually setting up the show and discussing what Frank Reich has to do with his coaching staff because we do have some of those additions, the retaining of Chris Tabor and jo- and uh, James Campen. We'll get to that later on. Frank Reich is up at the podium right now, I believe. Fiddy, is he going up there? Okay, I got a thumbs up, so we're not we're we're not doing that yet. But what is something if you were over there? We got a couple people representing WFNZ. I believe Kyle Bailey, Smoke Ludwig, they're going to be representing WFNZ over at the press conference. If you were over there, Wes, what is something that you would ask first and foremost? most of Frank Reich. What is what is burning on your mind if you were the journalist with the utmost integrity?
1: Uh, I would ask him about the DNA of the Panthers and them being a running football team, running a defense first and them wanting to be progressive towards a more dynamic offense and tell, ask him You know, what is his vision in a perfect world for what this Panthers offense would look like?
0: Yeah, I think scheme would matter quite a bit. And I think staffing, too, because if you're talking about just the overall staff, what are you going to do at offensive coordinator I think I'm interested in how much he's paying attention to the Philadelphia Eagles franchise and waiting for them to get done with the Super Bowl before they go after Brian Johnson or a Kevin Patula the passing game coordinator is Patula and the QB coach is Brian Johnson and then if they would come in and be the play caller there's a few things schematic wise as to what you would ask Frank Reich and I think those are the things that I'm most interested in getting uh, answered another thing is just how the interview process plays played out because Wes, there were so many different candidates we were told at the initial part of all this that there wasn't going to be a lot of candidates to choose from and that eventually there was and so what did frank reich say in the interview process that had him so interesting we'll get to that in a moment but enough of us pontificating what kind of questions we would ask for frank reich he's up there right now let's go to the press conference live at bank of america stadium
2: possibility and in his career as a player And a coach, Frank Reich has always shown us what is possible. As you saw in the video, he rallied his college team from 31 down. Rallied his NFL team, the Buffalo Bills, from 32 down in a playoff game. We have seen him tasked as the new quarterback to steward a new franchise into a brave new world. We've seen him adapt to circumstances, like when he lost a quarterback in the midst of an MVP season only to shepherd the backup to a Super Bowl win. He is a part of this franchise's origin story. First quarterback, he threw the first pass. He took the first snap. He threw the first touchdown pass. Frank Reich has been a part of many firsts in this franchise's history, and we're looking forward that you now get a chance to show us what's next. Before we move on, there's some people we'd like to recognize in attendance today. Panthers owners, David Tepper and Nicole Tepper. Team president, Christy Coleman. General manager, Scott Fitterer. A number of players have joined us today. I see Taylor Mountain, Brady Christensen, Dante Jackson, Jeremy Chin, Marquise Haynes, Chuba Hubbard, Iki Aquanu, all here. Former players in attendance today as well Carlton Bailey. John Casey, Pete Metzelars, who caught that first touchdown pass from Frank, Mark Rodenhauser, Dwight Stone, and Gerald Williams. We also have the family of our new head coach Frank Reich, wife Linda, children Hannah, Leah, and Avery, and their husbands Andrew, Thomas, and Brett. Thank you all for being here. Thank you to celebrate this momentous day. It's my pleasure now to welcome to the stage the owner of the Carolina Panthers, David Tepper. Well, Nish did a good job uh, taking half of what I was gonna say away, so. Um, But I just wanna just recognize a couple things about Frank. He's a man of incredible integrity an incredible family man, um, a person that we could tell has great process and a great way of doing things. Um, you know, that that basically has, you know, a guy that basically checks all the boxes and a guy that you really want to basically help build a culture and help lead a team, um, hopefully for the next few years and beyond. Um, there's really nothing else for me to say. I'm just gonna turn it over to you, Frank. We're really excited about having you here and helping us to build something great.
3: want to begin by saying thank you. Thank you to Mr. Tepper and Nicole Tepper for just an incredible opportunity to come back home, to lead a team and a franchise in which we were here at the beginnings, um, but to take on new challenges and to take us to new heights. We know that's a collective process. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to work under the leadership of an owner and his wife who have already accomplished crazy things in their own life. I wanna tap into that energy, that expertise, that innovation, that creativity to be the best. Um, as I went through the interview process, that's what I heard very clearly from Mr. Tepper. That's the standard, that's what we're reaching for. Nothing but the best, let's be excellent. Let's have a consistency of excellence in everything that we do to create a championship caliber team and a championship caliber organization. This is the NFL. The difference between winning and losing is really small. Every year we see it. We see teams go from big time losing to big time winning, even competing for championships all in the space of one year. It's possible. But how does that happen? How do you turn things around? The reason we see these things happen is because what we already instinctively know, that winning The difference between winning and losing it's in the margins it's in the details it's one player at a time it's one play at a time it's one detail at a time it's about focusing on getting it right not who is right not being right we're going to get it right together it's not a one-man show you will see that as as a coach and as a coaching staff we will collaborate we will collaborate with ownership with scott fitter the gm with christy coleman the president the whole crew, we will collaborate together to create a, cha- a championship caliber organization. And we will collaborate with the players, coaches and players together. This is a player's game. If there's one thing I know, being in this business as a player and coach for 30 years, this is a player's game. There are the stars, right? But we do it together as a team. There are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. It's all about the process. It's all about the people. And so we're just gonna focus on progress, getting better every day. There's a quote that's been on my desk since my rookie year in 1985. And you'll hear me say this a lot. And it says this, that no man becomes suddenly different from his habits and cherished thoughts. You know, no man becomes suddenly different from his habits and cherished thoughts. And so we're gonna be a team and an organization that is about creating championship habits, championship thoughts. We're gonna cultivate those, we're gonna nurture those, and those are gonna grow, they're gonna be infectious. Um, We wanna feel those, and we wanna feel that in the community, and we're so excited to really partner with our fans, because that's a very important part of the process. My family's already been acknowledged, but I I wanna acknowledge them again. My wife, Linda, we've been married 36 years, partners for life, we're a football family. Um, Linda and I, as we've moved around the NFL, We we only know one way to do it. That's to dive all in, to dive all in. Obviously I'm diving all into the football process. Linda's leading our efforts as a family to dive into the community and what we do from a charitable standpoint to help serve this community. So we commit to you and we promise to you, we will dive all in. Uh, This is about football and this is about winning. That's why I was hired, but it's also about doing it the right way and being part of something special. course, our daughters, Leah, Avery, and Hannah um, was mentioned early to a group that that we're a football family. These girls, they all throw a pretty mean spiral. I taught them when they were young. Um, I'm not sure they still got that in their repertoire. Uh, They're all, we grew up, they know the X's and I used to take them on dates and teach them the X's and O's and the whole deal. And then of course, our son-in-laws, Thomas, Brett, and Andrew, uh, when they met our daughters, I had to tell them to put all, all their they're all from North Carolina so they all had their Panthers gear I had a, of course when you're with other teams you had to tell them to put that all in the back of the closet well now I told them you can bring that Panthers gear put it in the front of the closet right put that back at the front of the closet and then i want to acknowledge my former teammates from that 1995 season the first season ever what a great experience to be a part of a team the first inaugural season special memories for us as a, as a team um, Carlton Bailey John Casey Pete Metzlars, Mark Rodenhauser, Dwight Stone, and Gerald Williams. Appreciate you guys being here. And then, of course, just the friends in the community. The support has been overwhelming just in a short amount of time. But in short, as I wrap up, the vision is clear. As we talked with Scott Fitter and with uh, Mr. Tepper, it's to bring to create a band of excellence. Create this consistency of excellence that at the top end is championships, and at the bottom at the bottom end, we're we're a playoff team create that consistency of excellence that produces championships, that brings championships to the Carolina, to the Carolinas. It takes four pillars to do that, right? If you're gonna build that cali- championship caliber team, it takes four pillars. It's ownership and the organization. I was telling a bunch of people earlier, my through the interview process to get to know Mr. Tepper and Nicole was very dynamic, to see and hear and feel their vision, but also to feel The conversation that we had, the partnership that started to, you could start to feel as we went through um, the interview process. Uh, That's a big deal, and of course, it's not just the ownership; it's the whole organization. For me to get a chance, the most important relationship is really with Scott Fitter, the GM, head coach and GM. You know, we got to be like this. We're together every day. We got to with along with Mr. Tepper come up with the blueprint of what this team is going to look like and who we're going to be. So really excited to work with Scott. Class act. We're going to fit together perfect as I'm getting to know him. His expertise um, is going to be a, a great asset to me and to our team. And so looking forward to that partnership. Uh, and, then of course, with Dan Morgan, his assistant, I uh, go back a little bit with him uh, and Samir. And, uh, and then even working with Nicole on the business side and Christy Coleman on the business side. For us, that's, that's a very important part of it as well. So it's about ownership. It's about the players. That's the second pillar. The first is the ownership. You gotta have the right ownership to get championships. You gotta have the right players. I'm really excited about the roster that we have and the roster that we're gonna continue to build. Uh, This is what it's all about for me. It's about the relationship and the connection with the players. We give trust to each other right away, but then we continue to gain trust in each other as we work through and go through this journey together. And then it's about the coaches. Um, you know, one of the things that Mr. Tepper made clear is we're going to get the best of the best. He's willing to help support that effort, you know, to get so that we get the best, not only the best, but, but the best for our team. So we have the right mix of coaches um, and we will have a great coaching staff. And then lastly, that fourth pillar, it's about the fans. I mean, we're at that time of year. There's nothing like seeing a football stadium rocking. When a team is having success and when we're given the community reasons to be excited about it'll be a special time to be in that stadium and to be walking around the city wearing, wearing the Panthers logo.
0: That was Frank Reich's introductory press conference. The first statement before he takes some questions. We're going to try to go to break, and then we're going to come back and try to get to some of those questions that he's going to answer on the other side. So stick around right here. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. It's Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Frank Reich already taking questions. Some of the ones we missed. Joe Person wrote on Twitter that Reich says he's still evaluating whether he'll call the offense depending on how the staff comes together. So that's kind of answering one of the bigger questions. Let's go back out to the Bank of America Stadium right now and hear from your new Panthers head coach, Frank Reich.
3: This has always been part of the master plan. And then to think I get to come back and do it as the head coach, uh, that's insane to me. So let's go.
0: Hey Frank, Mike Kay from the Charlotte Observer. Uh, When you got to Indy, it was kind of uh, an unusual circumstance where Matt and and a few of those coaches were already in place. I was just curious, what did you learn from your first staff building experience in Indy and how will that impact uh, building a
1: staff here now?
3: I thought we built a great staff. We had really good diversity of thought, diversity of personalities, diversity of coaching styles um i think that's important the chemistry of the staff is really really important um, i think that's one of the lessons learned you know as a lot of those guys were very successful and went on to be head coaches and coordinators with other team which i think is a good sign that we did our job the right way to start but then you start losing those guys and you got to replace and this goes back to mr tepper's point um You know, we had good coaches, we had good coaches in all places, and, you know, but there's still something about chemistry. There's still something about chemistry, and and that's my job as a head coach to make sure that's right. Frank,
0: Ellis Williams here, Charlotte Observer. Um, You've been doing this for a long time. You've been around a lot of offensive creative minds. I'm wondering... From your two stops in Indy to Philly to Arizona to San Diego, uh, what are your offensive philosophies and pillars
3: and, and what are you going to bring and lean on from those when you build this Carolina offense? it's a passing league but you have to run the ball to be a championship team you know i mean there's exceptions to that but when you look at this, the analytics the statistics over the years that um you've you got to be effective running the football and efficient running the football so um that's one of the reasons i'm excited about this roster i know we can do that we'll get the pass game right but i, I know we can run the football and we're going to run the football because that just builds off the play action off the rpo stuff you know all the movement stuff um so that's what you want to build what offensively you're all Always trying to do is to create conflict in the defender. Put a seed of doubt in the defender's mind. You know, is it run? Is it pass? Is it the RPO? Is it a first level RPO throw? Is it second level? Is it, you know, are they going deep? So um, complement everything together, have, you know, but you got to, you got, it starts with running the football. And then the second principle is you have to get the ball vertical down the field. You have to get chunk plays. All the statistics, all the analytics. That's one of the reasons why I'm excited to work for Mr. Tepper. Because, right, if anybody who knows analytics, it's him and his, all of his businesses. But he, he gets this as much as anybody. But like, you got to, it's hard to go 14-play drives all the time. You've got, you got to get chunk plays down the field. So we need to be able to run the ball, have play action off it. We can get it vertical, have the kind of players and quarterback that can do that.
0: And one more real quick, if I can. Um, It's been almost three months since you were fired in Indianapolis, and now a quick turnaround here. Not too many coaches get this opportunity this quickly. I'm wondering if you've had time to reflect what you've learned from your time in Indy that you will then implement here in Carolina.
3: I did. I did. In some ways, if there was going to be a transition, it was a blessing in disguise. You know, that I really did. Okay, I was talking, we were talking earlier with a group of people. you know in the NFL you're going to have ups and downs you're going to have successes and failures we had four years of Good success and then you go through uh, one year where you're struggling where there's a struggle and now you have a chance to reflect on that and it's like you know it's like getting an app I-, I like to talk to the players like this you know in apps you get version one then there's version two I feel like this provide this provides me an opportunity to debug some things make things better now come out with version 2.0 or f- version 3.0 it's better it's cleaned up the important thing is though that you're starting with a good product to start which I know we are so now we clean some things up like I said Staff, vision of the offense, complementary defense—you know and that high-level special teams play, all the areas that will, ch- you know, that we're really going to focus on on a team, um, and then how to how to how to stay true to the process, manage expectations in a way, keep keep our team focused on the right things, and then keep challenging and pushing challenging and pushing ultimately it's got to come from the players the head coach and the coaches can only do so much the leadership has to come from the locker room right i got a role that i got to play and i'll and i'll do them my best to play that role but ultimately that leadership's got to come from the players as well
1: let's go to david newton and then josh Klein, please yeah, Frank, David Newton, ESPN.com. Not sure what I asked you in 1995 first. Probably could you be the starting quarterback? But I want to follow up on one of the questions over there. What exactly went wrong at Indianapolis? And are there any correlations between what you've seen the last five years here in your brief evaluation of why this team hasn't been
3: successful? I think what went wrong was, you know, we had this in four years, we established, uh, not we, in four years, it was established that uh, that team, we were running the ball well. We were, we, were, we were like, we, well, like we're going to do here, and then as this year started out that, that the running game disappeared and um, and then we didn't get the ball vertically down the field um, beca- a lot because of that, and we ended up having some breakdowns now and that 's on me as the head coach i got to get that right that's, that, the responsibility starts with me right so when we when we don't reach our goals it's, a, it, it's under my leadership and so I have to take and that 's why, why I have an opportunity to be here. Um, but ultimately, I also feel I look back and I also say, well, part of what went wrong, part of, I always feel like I've, we've had, uh, had a good, I've always had a good track record of the second half of the season as a head coach. If you go back and look at the record in the second half of the season, you know, so there's a little bit of, side of me that says um, we're going to, fr- we've, we've had a way as a staff of figuring it out. Even when you go over a few bumps, I think we're good at figuring things out. Injuries things you have to get past putting players in the best position. So um, that's that's a lot of fun to do
2: Hey Frank, uh, Josh Klein from the riot report Um,
0: You already talked about your memories from 1995 And one of the first pictures that the team put out to announce your hiring was a picture of you and Sam Mills And I was wondering if you could talk about a little bit about what uh, Sam and keep pounding means to you specifically
3: I mean, Sam, captain of our team. I mean, he was—he was the lifeblood of our team. That first year, we knew that we were having a special experience, and and Sam was at the center of that. You knew when you walked, and Sam was in the room. You knew it. You felt his presence. You felt his leadership. He had very high standards. I think that's what stands out to me most about my memories of Sam. His 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 standards were just so high. Personally, he drove himself. his work ethic how he prepared, how he practiced, how he played. Um, And then it just exemplified that keep pounding, which to me ultimately um, is about a sign of being committed to the process. That even though there's gonna be some bumps along the road, if we keep pounding and we keep believing we're gonna get it right.
2: Go to Mike Solarte then Bridges.
3: Frank, back here in the in the back, straight to your left. It's good to see you again, Mike Solarty, Spectre News One. Uh, you talked about the relationship between the head coach and the general manager, you and Scott Fitterer. Is there a is there a, uh, for lack of a better description, balance of power input? I mean, how do you see your role in helping to build this roster? Is it giving Scott a name you like, or collaborative, or or where do you where do you start with that? Yeah, it's balance of power. Scott will have control of the 53. You know, I'll, I'll control who's active and who's not active. But ultimately, this is, you know, that's on paper. You know, in reality, this is 100% collaborative. I can already tell that with Scott, we're going to work side by side. We're going to we're going to tirelessly work where we're going to have the same vision. We'll have disagreements. You know, we'll have disagreements. We'll have different ideas, but uh, ultimately we'll come together as one and decide who are the best players on this team and how to build this team. Along with the scouting staff and the coaches, you know, we'll work together. Um, So I look forward to that. I I can already tell with Scott that partnership is going to be a highlight for me um, and looking forward to getting work as soon as we possibly can.
0: Frank, excuse me, Brett Jensen, WBT News. Uh, I'm just curious, getting back to quarterback a second. What type of quarterback do you prefer? Do you prefer a running style quarterback? Or well, you mentioned the RPOs, or like you know, J- you know Jalen Hurts, or do you prefer more of a traditional drop back type of quarterback?
1: What do you prefer?
3: We all know where the game's going, right? And we all, we all know the game is going to, you know, a more movement style quarterback. Um, I embrace that, I, I love that. And we worked with some, you know, in Philadelphia had worked with Carson Wentz and we did a lot of good things, did a lot, got a lot of good things with movement, RPOs, play action, all that stuff. Um, same thing when we were, same thing in the years in Indy, you know, we had some dropbacks, some movement guys. Um, and so ultimately we can adapt to whatever, but uh where the game is going, and you know, most of the guys coming out in college have more movement so you know, right, Right. that has some advantages. The defensive players will tell you, when that quarterback is back there and he has a threat to run, you know, you watch Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, you know, which our offenses, are, you know, are very similar just because of our connection with Nick Sirianni and so on and so forth, and the quarterback's running his own read and he's a threat to run. It just puts the defense in conflict, right? Slows the backside down. We have a saying that we'll say on offense, front side wins, wins games, backside wins championships. Front side wins games, backside wins championships. Okay, well, if the backside wins championships and if I got a quarter who can run and he's, hold, and he's making that defensive end hold his, hold his water or making the linebacker hold the water at the second level, it's just going to give my guys more room on the front side. It's going to put the offensive lineman in a position to have better leverage. So if you got that guy, that's the game you play and you put it to the player's advantage. But if you, at some level, even those guys, and, we're, and Mr. Tepper and Scott and I talked about this. You gotta have a guy that can win from the pocket. We're not gonna drop back. If we have one of those guys, we won't drop back 50 times, but you gotta drop back 10 times. It's third and 10 and the game is on the line. You gotta be, you probably are playing from the pocket. So we can develop that as well. You wanna be able to uh, understand who you're drafting or understand who you're acquiring, continue to develop them as a player, We can all get better. I can be better as a coach. They can become better as a player, whether we're signing a guy or drafting a guy. Um, But ultimately, that's the challenge, and that's that's the excitement of it. That's
0: your new Panther coach, Frank Reich, speaking with media today, the introductory press conference. After Steve Wilkes did not retain the job, being the interim guy, after Matt Rule was fired, Frank Reich is going to take over this football team, and we just got to hear some of the questions he answered, his philosophy offensively, some of the pillars that are there, some of the good old coaches sayings. But overall, Frank Reich, what did you think about him, Wes, as you were listening to not only the statement in the first segment, but also we finally got down to him answering what it means to try to build an offense, and he certainly is that
1: offensive mind that became head coach i mean i i didn't he didn't say anything i didn't expect him to say let me start there um and with a lot of these coaches introductory press conferences you know it just is what it is we'll see once he gets in there and gets the job but it was hard to kind of glean which way he was going on the end of that when he was talking about the quarterback because he kind of was you know, riding the fence as far as which style, you know, that he would prefer. But he did talk about how the game was going to a movement style quarterback. As he said, he referenced Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, Uh which some may try to read into that and say, well, maybe they might delve into that Eagles coaching staff to get an O.C. if he is to hire one, because he mentioned them uh, explicitly. Some being me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read into that a little
0: bit. I mean, it's it's certainly an interesting team to go to. Of course, they're in the Super Bowl, but we do know the connections that he has with guys on that staff.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, and I think the biggest thing, too, talking about the relationship with him and Federer, um, just how he talked about how collaborative it will be, that there will be disagreements, et cetera. So we'll see how that one goes. Um, and also just the leadership aspect that he talked about as well, saying how the players – It's on the players and the coaches can only do so much. And I just thought about if you look at it at its core, what type of locker room do the Panthers have? Like because you hear people talk about it all the time. Well, if they go, if a player goes to this type of locker room or this type of locker room, they could handle different players. Like we've heard them when they talk about like a Odell Beckham or guys like that. If they go to certain locker rooms, what would it be? And it just begs the question of what type of locker room do we feel like that the Panthers have? And I think they have a pretty solid one because. When you look at their young players who are some of their better players on their team, they seem like pretty mature guys who play pretty hard. They're not these live-wire personalities. So I think the Panthers do have a good locker room, and I think they do have a good uh, leadership foundation with the guys that they have in there. But those were the biggest things that I took from what he said.
0: Okay, so there's a lot to get to um, with what Frank Reich was saying. Overall, we'll we'll just kind of talk about the philosophy that he brings to the table. And then we can start to focus on some of the other things that he said regarding this press conference. We do have Eric Collins, by the way, at one o'clock to talk some Charlotte Hornets. But as we delve a little bit more into the Panthers, new head coach, I think Frank Wright gave us some hardcore coach speak in the introductory press conference, did the whole win one for the Gipper rah rah, run through a brick wall stuff. And you know what? It's not going to be any different than what any coach would bring you, including Steve Wilkes, by the way, as much as I love Steve Wilkes, Steve Wilkes was totally that guy. Yeah talking about DNA, talking about all of that stuff. The difference is, I believe it when I hear Steve Wilkes. I believe it when I hear Frank Reich. And he. And both of them have been described as player coaches. Players respect Steve Wilkes. From everything we've gathered, whether you agree with Frank Reich and what happened in Indianapolis or not, we've gathered that players respect Frank Reich. Didn't really seem like that after Matt Rule left. So we are going to get that upgrade in that area. So ultimately, we can roll our eyes With the coach speak, we can brush it off of our shoulders, whatever. It doesn't really matter to us, and that's totally fine. Really, it gets down to how are you going to call plays? What is your identity going to be or your DNA, as you said? And Steve Wilkes talked about that a lot. And that's totally fine because we're going to get coach speak from anybody that would have been given this job. And then you start to dive into what he talked about, what his offense, he wants it to be. I really liked it, Wes, to be honest with you. He values running the football. That's something that this personnel group right now is best at. But he also talked about the importance of a vertical passing game. He did not shy away from that. He discussed how important that is. And you know what else he said? And I wrote this and highlighted it and put it in bold and whatever. You need a quarterback to be able to do those things. And I don't think he thinks they have that on the roster right now. I don't know how many Panthers fans think they have the quarterback on the roster that can do that right now. That can take advantage of play action. I like his breakdown of what you want the defense to be thinking you want them to have internal conflict. Is this QB going to run? Is he going to pass it? What is this whole offense going to do right now? Play action. Love me some play action. Feed it. Go go with a heavy dose of play action because we don't know how the quarterback is going to perform. And you know what? I think that helps a rookie QB quite a bit right? Teach them to sell the play action. Be the Peyton Manning who was like one of the best in the world. Tom Brady, excellent at selling the play action. Aaron Rodgers, right? Like some of these guys that boom, pull it out and you think, oh, it's going to be a run play, but then they're hitting you deep for 50 yards. Frank Reich, I think values that. And so this is something where Frank Reich is winning the introductory press conference, but every coach kind of does, right? It, It actually looks bad. If you don't Sirianni coincidentally didn't win the introductory press conference, but it turned out. Okay. I can remember here in Charlotte, Mitch Kupchak, not good. Not a good introductory presser. Like, I, he asked what the payroll was with this team. Like, Mitch, that's exactly what you're going to be dealing with. What are you doing? Yeah. But it is very easy to come in here and win the introductory presser. So, check. For me, at least from what we've heard. I, I like what we heard. But, of course, we're all going to have to f- figure out a way to get to the season and then break it down from there and see truly if he's going to carry the good stuff from this presser and copy and paste it onto the football field and form this identity where you see hope, right? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, what happened with Matt Rule, you never got any hope. At the end of his second year, you did not have hope. And you certainly did not have that with his one-in-four record that he got off to. I I, I like what you hear from Rank Reich, and of course, it has to carry out onto the football field.
1: <laughs> well, you know, optimism is always going to be the name of the game when you get the new coach in there. Not Mm -hmm. everybody can have that Biff Pogey type of energy when they come in, beating that drum loud. But like I said, for me personally, it's just going to come down to let's see the steps taken. It's easy to say things, but you have to put words to action. And uh, as I said, he didn't really say anything outside of what I thought that he would say. Uh, There wasn't a lot provocative there. I mean, the, the stuff he said about the defense and all that stuff, that was great. It sounds hot. But let's just see what it's going to be, <laughs> you know, once you start getting personnel. How will you attack free agency? How will you attack the draft? That's going to tell me more uh, than just what he gets up there and says. But as you said, you know, good solid introductory press conference.
0: all right we're up against a break let's go to the fitty flash just real quickly you got a storyline for us and then we can move on to the campus corner talk a little bit more about frank reich as well as have eric collins at one o'clock what you got fitty all right guys some news coming out of the pro bowl which gets underway later this week after an elbow injury forced josh allen to, re- to remove himself from this week's pro bowl activities ravens backup quarterback tyler huntley has been added to the pro bowl roster Huntley threw for two touchdowns this season. The fewest number of touchdown passes by a QB to make the Pro Bowl since the merger of ni- in 1970. <laughs> the previous low was six touchdown passes by Eagles quarterback... Mike Borla in 1975. Goodness gracious. This was a shock to see this come through. And I know this kind of happens with the Pro Bowl, but I certainly did not expect a world where Tyler Huntley was going to reach the Pro Bowl. As much as he's respected as a backup QB, man, seeing this happen, it kind of diminishes that award, if you ask me.
1: Right. There were so many ways they could have gone. Now, I saw Derek Carr has been added as well. So that was my guy. I was like, why wouldn't they add Carr or even Davis Mills or somebody that had more production oh, and two touchdowns? Dirty. You're, you're right. You're right. You yes. know what I'm saying? You're, you're but it's more a of a batch. justifiable decision than yeah. a guy that had two touchdown passes. So, you know, it is what it is, and I think that kind of just gives people a reason to continue to bash the Pro Bowl process.
0: All right. We've got plenty more to get to. More than just a couple hours here to talk more about Frank Reich's comments. Eric Collins is going to be hopping on with us at 1 o'clock. Also the campus corner it's coming up next wesson walker sports radio 92 7 wfnz
1: After my break right there, didn't get to say too much during Frank Reich's introductory press conference, but you heard it all right there. You're back, the Wesson Walker Show on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, in here with my man Walker Mell and Josh Fitty Marlowe, and we're going to go into the campus corner. Listen, we know that it is basketball season, but the ACC football schedules were released, big day, around these parts as people get to look and project and pontificate as my man walker mail would say there you go about the schedule. And uh, so it came out, and I put together my top five games after uh, giving it a gander. So uh, would you guys like to hear it? Yes. I want to hear Wes's
0: top five games released in the ACC schedule that was conveyed yesterday because we've done this with QBs. Uh It ended on a hot, spicy note. Talk about things (laughs) sounding hot. It was hot when you put Riley Leonard above Drake May. Yeah. And then May struggled as the season would
1: go down. Yeah. So let's see what your top five ACC games are. All right, my top five. You want me to go five to one? Yeah, let's count. Okay, I can do that. At 5, I have the ACC Championship game rematch on November 18th. Clemson at... North Carolina. That's number
0: five. I wonder how much people would put that towards the top. Are you surprised it's that low, Fiddy, or do you think number five of all the games that were released yesterday? sounds about right. I don't know why this game even made the list. Okay, it's going to be an whooping <laughs> according to my head coach, Mac Brown. We don't have a chance to win the game. Oh, I can't wait till we get to the yeah. foul line because I'm about to blow the whistle on you, Wes. What's number four? That
1: should be a fun one. You remember the last time they went to North Carolina that ended with the crazy defensive stop, and it was just a, a great game. Uh, number four, I got Texas A&M coming to Miami on September 9th. Listen, I know you guys get tired of it, I do too. The US bag ad nauseum, but this is a chance. You know, year two for Mario Cristobal. They've been hitting the transfer portal hard. We're gonna see what Miami's got going up against Texas A&M, who again may be overhyped. Who knows how they'll come into the season ranked? But we know Texas A&M's got talent. It's an SEC opponent coming into Coral Gables so we'll see how that matchup turns out. Okay, so Texas
0: A&M a lot of a lot of pressure on that coaching staff, which yes. by the way is the most decorated coaching staff in the country in a not so great way with guys like not only jimbo fisher but dj durkin and bobby petrino steve adazio also on that coaching staff too which i didn't even realize until i heard about it just a couple weeks ago that adazio was a part of this as well it's amazing with that coaching staff consistent
1: number three i've got florida state at clemson on september 23rd this could be a matchup that we could potentially see twice as these guys will be right at the top of everybody's projections for the ACC with the conferences uh the split divisions now gone we could see this matchup twice next season now i'm interested into why you put this here because
0: i'm wondering if there is the, just the perception affecting you putting this game in the top 5 because you are not one that is high on florida state at yeah, all yeah not at all i'm and not here they make number 3
1: yeah i'm not but this will be a game that it's always it's been a big game for the last uh it it had its place for a while especially when jimbo was there at fsu and Dabo had clemson on the come up and winning natties so this will be an interesting game because we don't know where It's, it's early enough in the season Uh, Each of these teams will have a little bit of some tests so we can see where they're at against each other. If they both come in undefeated, this will be a huge game when you talk about who could win the regular season championship. All right. Number two, Wes. Number two, I have Clemson versus Duke on September 4th. They will be at Duke, folks. This will be the biggest game. And Duke football history, because coming off a 9-4 and four season, oh. they have pretty much all of their key players back. My man Riley Leonard. We saw Duke trolling the Dabo run uh, on social media yesterday. Clemson coming in. As I said, not a huge believer in Cade Club. Nick, a lot of people feel this program might be vulnerable. They're going to have a big test coming into uh, a, a seasoned Duke team in an environment, especially for Duke that I feel like is going to be the best they ever had because this Duke program and the people of Durham believe in this program and Coach Mike Elko. It sounds a lot to say
0: that it's going to be the most important game in Duke football history, but I will say that it's not like you have a lot to choose from. I it's, guess that they had the ACC Divisional Championship where they lost in 2013 to Florida State. What was the bowl game? Is that
1: what I say? Is that what I say?
0: Because I felt I like I was saying now that little... like,
1: the environment and this is going to be the biggest game. I, I was meaning to convey that this is going to be the biggest home game for them possibly. Okay, I, did, I didn't know, honestly. Yeah, I'm just, sorry I if just I
0: confused sure. you. I, I might have confused myself, yeah. but that's okay. It's yeah. not number one, so there's got to be something else
1: that's even bigger than that. <laughs> What's top on your list? Well, number one to start the season off, Florida State and LSU from Orlando on September 3rd. Uh, this is the FSU program that's more than likely going to come into the season ranked in the top five. This is the LSU team that's going to be top ten. And so LSU in year two under Brian Kelly. We know that game last year was very dramatic at the end with Florida State getting the block field goal to get the victory. So we'll see right out of the gates. Is Florida State going to be the team that a lot of people think they are going to be in a stiff test against an LSU team that will be surely a college football playoff contender? See, I can't help but think that the perception
0: of Florida State is meandering its way into your thought process yeah, here because definitely. you are not one that is a Seminole fan this season and have been very against them being ranked as high as they are.
1: I have been, but like I said, this this will be a big test early to see just if they are going to be for real will they come out and dominate this lsu team and really show that they are indeed that i don't think it's going to happen but just from public perception that's why i have these four state games ranked in there where i do
0: last thing before we go to break somebody asked dang no south carolina versus chapel hill they don't make the list
1: uh no that game i have in my honorable mentions that's one of them nc state notre dame pitt and cincinnati wake at notre dame clemson notre dame louisville nc state and north carolina minnesota Those are all going to be fantastic games as well. Well, Those are honorable mention uh, ball games. But listen, when we come back, my man Eric Collins from the Charlotte Hornets, get your voices ready because you know this man brings it every single time on the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, baby.